Miami-Dade County is partnering with you to help keep our community safe from COVID-19 now and in the future. Do your part by getting your booster, staying home if you're sick, and getting tested if you think you have symptoms. We'll keep doing our part to protect our children's education and ensure testing, vaccines, and boosters are available for all so that our entire community continues to thrive. It's our best plan. For more information, visit miamidade.gov coronavirus. Another edition of the Behind the You podcast. And on this, we always like to really get uh, behind everyone's story and their journey. And, and from what I can tell, uh, this one is, is unique. It's interesting. It's uh, really amazing as well. We are pleased to be joined by the men's hen- uh, head tennis coach at the University of Miami, Alosha Pirich. Coach, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So uh, your story is incredible. I've know you've, I know you've told it a, a few times, but we want to get it out to sort of a, a larger audience here for the people that listen to the podcast and Kind of like I said, it's it's everyone's journey is what really intrigues us here. Uh, you grew up in in kind of the former Yugoslavia, uh, Bosnia Herzegovina. I got close, right? Still a B. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay, that's good. So take me back. You know, this is a, a much different time. Uh, obviously, a much different place. But the early 1990s, you know, Yugoslavia is, is breaking up. Different republics are seeking independence. And where you where you grew up, all of a sudden war breaks out. Can you can you detail that in a way that's more personal and how I just described it? Because that just doesn't happen like here in the States. We don't encounter stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's 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 kind of surreal thinking back about it, um, you know, as, as I went through the experience of of that, um, it just kind of happens. Um, there's no really explanation how or how people react or how people would would react um but i was at a pretty normal upbringing um you know in a in a you know yugoslavia at that time and you know played sports loved sports my family was you know always you know connected to sports my dad played a lot of tennis uh recreationally uh we skied in the winners um so you know it was a fairly normal childhood um, considering, you know, where I grew up. And, and then, as you said, political instability in a country uh, around 1990s, early 1990s, um, you could kind of sense the tension, sense the, uh, you know, sense the issues and problems, you know, there was, you know, less food, you know, people arguing, people, you know, just kind of, um, you know, just kind of this weird tension in the air for about six months to a year. And then um, uh, I remember uh, Bosnia had um, uh, some sort of like election to decide whether we're going to be independent or not. And uh, in May of 1992, on a Friday, I'll never forget it. I was going with my dad to a tennis club uh, where we usually played in the afternoons after he would come back from work. Um, I was 14, going to 14 years old at that time. Um, we're driving there and we just, the, the, the city was ghost town and my dad turned the car back and we started going back home. He just kind of felt uneasy about it. And as soon as we got home, uh, bombs started exploding and, um, you know, the city was shelled, bombed the whole night. We ended up going to my neighbor's house who had this old basement. We ended up going to this basement, um, for the night 
and um, uh, the whole night uh, we just heard bombs going off. And in the morning, my dad um, kissed me, my sister, and my mom, and went to fight and went to war uh, to defend to defend us and defend the homeland. And um, that's that's kind of what happened. And uh, I was there for about six, seven months of it. Um, in the war, um, I you know obviously saw a lot of bombs exploding, so gunfights and you know shooting and stuff like that. So um, that's something you kind of you kind of you know try to block out. I think that's what I did, you know, for a little bit there of my life. But now I kind of look back and it's it's something that that's made me who I am. So um, so yeah, so that's that's kind of in the gist of it, Coach. So that's um, almost too much for someone that hasn't lived through something like that to, to believe. Can you go back to the part about what you said about your dad, literally the next day, your dad left and just started fighting. No questions yeah. asked. Jesse was gone. Yeah, he was, uh, basically he, he had to volunteer and, and, um, back in Yugoslavia, every, um, everybody at 18 years old had to go to army. Uh, it was mandatory army. That's just kind of how, how well, it was, it was by law. So my dad, when he went at 18, he was, um, he was also a reservist, uh, but but a lot of a lot of men just picked up the guns and went to fight and went to protect the home because uh, they just didn't know, um, you know, they, they, they didn't know what was going to happen uh, because we're being attacked and um, yeah. So the war war lasted four and a half years and my dad was in the army uh, for four and a half years, um, fighting and just kind of defending the, the the defending our city. And for you as a, as a young, you said you were 14 years old, right? And literally you're going to play tennis and the next day you're holed up in a, in a neighbor's house trying to, to just be safe, literally save your life. And you said you were there for about six or, I think you said six or seven months. So yeah. is your, does your life instantaneously stop, right? There's yeah. nothing normal is going on, I assume. You're no. not going to school, you're not playing, right? You're just hiding yeah. out. It's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like, uh, the best way to explain it, it's kind of like um, what we went through with the uh, initial wave of, you know, COVID when COVID happened. And yeah. everybody stayed in. Uh, it's kind of like that. And um, uh, except you're in a basement and except there's fighting going on outside. Um, so everything stopped. I mean, there was no uh, there was no school. There was no tennis. There was no um, there was no normal activity. Um, you know, people would have to go. There were bread lines. There were food lines. Um, you have to go get bread in certain times of the day. You have to go get water. Electricity was shut down. Um, you know, so yeah, it was it was a very uh, very surreal, difficult, um, you know, part of my life. And you know, I was fortunate enough to be able to, you know, leave. My my parents made a tough decision to allow me to leave, uh, but they stayed there for four and a half years. And and you know, a lot of people lost their lives and. Uh, homes and and yeah it was it was very very difficult so you had a chance to leave how did you and this is this is where the story continues to take on its um unique shape how did you find out that there was an opportunity to leave how was that presented to you uh it was it was actually my 50 it's it's, it's I, I vividly remember it because my birthday was is september 15th and on september the following day, uh, the September 16th, my, my dad uh, called my mom and said that there was an opportunity for, um, uh, for top athletes in each sport uh, to leave under the protection of UN um, to 
different refugee camps around, you know, former Yugoslavia, Europe, whatever. Um, and my name was on the list as a as a promising tennis player uh, um, among other uh, seven or eight tennis players. And the bus was leaving on September 19th, and we had to make a decision. My parents they made a decision that it was it was safer and better for me to be on the bus going to a refugee camp in Croatia. Um, so on September 19th, um, you know, my dad and my mom dropped me off early in the morning at this place where the bus was waiting for us. And uh, I was on the bus <laughs> going to a refugee camp. How did they, I guess, how did they explain it to you? Was it, were they completely straightforward? Obviously you were aware of what's going on. You know, did you even have a choice? And let me ask this, did you have a choice in the matter? Um, I, I don't think, like, I think, I don't think I had a choice. My parents kind of made the decision for me. Um, and I think I was, you know, aware enough uh, at that age, at 15 years old, you're aware of your surroundings and circumstances that I, I understood that this was a decision that I've, I have no say in, honestly. Um, they're making a decision that's that's could be a life and death situation. And um, they made a decision for me and I, I trusted it and, and I went with it. And, and there, there were no questions. Uh, I was on the bus and that's it. Um, gave, gave my mom a hug, gave my dad a hug. Um, and, and that's it. I personally, I didn't think, um, you know, I was going to stay a long time. I thought it was going to be a few months, uh, cause everybody had hoped that the war was going to end fairly right. soon. Uh, but it ended up being basically forever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I never, I never really went back to live there. I went to visit, but, uh, you know, for the next four years that the war was going on, I, I, you know, obviously I was gone and, and, you know, the, the path took me a different path, different ways, but um, but yeah, at that time, I didn't know it was going to be, you know, four years away from the family, four and a half years, really. When you left or when they, when you were leaving, uh, were you, were you of the understanding going to this camp that you were, were you going to play? I know you're going to escape and be safe and be free, but were you also going to play tennis or no, you were just going to, to escape and be free. I there was, you know, um, there was a hope that we're going to be able to play tennis for sure. Uh, but, but we were going to, to a play a refugee camp. Um, and that's, that's what it was. It was a refugee camp. Well, and sorry um, to interrupt, but what, so what is it, do you get there and what is that like to you? Um, it was, it was a, um, it was an abandoned hotel that was turned into a refugee camp for people that lost homes in, in a war in Croatia and Bosnia. And, um, um, our room, at that time we walked in, I was with my tennis friends and tennis kids, whatever, you know, that I was traveling with and the room did not have a glass window. So we ended up putting the plastic over it. Um, and we slept, I remember we slept in, uh, in jackets and hats because we, we had no, um, you know, coverings and, you know, blankets or, bl blankets or whatever. Um, so yeah, it was, you know, it was very, uh, very different than what I, what I had been accustomed to, um, you know, not that I, you know, I grew up in a normal home, but something like that was, was just, was just very, uh, very different, but we were safe. The, 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 the place was beautiful. And, um, um, the, the fortunate thing was tennis courts were right across the street. There was a tennis club right across the street from this refugee camp. And me and my friends would sneak in on uh, one of the courts and we would basically spend our days playing tennis. Uh, we would, we would do, we would do different draws. We would do um, like a, one day we would do a, like a U.S. Open draw. 
and <laughs> we, would, we would play each other all day um and and we would have a winner at the end of the day and uh basically that's what we did every day for the duration of of, of that stay there how fortunate were you that a you had people you knew who other tennis players right that you, you knew and, th and then also that you had tennis that was amazing i mean the fact that i was there with these other kids um was 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 incredibly it was an incredible gift because we all found refuge in each other um we were all in the same situation same boat um you know we became a family right away um as far as the experience is concerned and you know we kind of knew that hey this is this is what you know we got to go through um and then tennis tennis was was an escape for sure um something that i don't know if we didn't have that at that time it i don't know how we had gotten through uh because as i said we our imag imagination at the time was that we are playing a tennis tournament at the us open or french open or australian open or some of these things and we would go go to battle with each other every day uh playing tennis and that was that was how we you know would forget about where we are and what we're doing and and, and our, our own circumstances um so we allowed our brain and our imagination to kind of help us through that but tennis was a huge part of of being able to do that so uh, tennis player obviously were you a tennis fan like did you have tennis players if you if you're if you're sort of re re recreating tennis tournaments to keep your mind off things did you have favorite tennis players yeah of course i mean uh creation player at that time was goran goran ivanishevich who yep. was um who was you know like basically uh, a guy that everybody looked up to from from the, you know from my part of the world he's kind of like a novak Djokovic now uh but at that time it was him um i i used to love agassi um, you know, I, I watched him on TV, you know, all the time, you know, and just loved the way he played. So, so yeah, we, we imagined we're playing these guys. I mean, we're playing each other and you're like, man, it's, it's incredible what the mind can do if, if, if you're forced to do it. Um, so yeah, so playing tennis helped us through that period of time for sure. So, all right. So you, you mentioned earlier, I don't think I'm going to be gone very long. Right. So there, this is a sacrifice and strange, different, fearful nerve, whatever it is, but it's, it shouldn't be too long. Yeah. And then of course you said you haven't, it took four, you know, the war took four years and you really never gone back. So uh, explain for everyone, you're in a refugee camp in uh, Croatia and you end up in the United States. Uh, no, there's, I, there, well, no, no, yeah. no, there's, there's, there's a couple points in between. So just kind of yeah. lay out like you, yeah, go, we, you end up in Croatia, start in Croatia, end up in Virginia. So, but so, with, so, with stops there, in between. Yeah, there's a few stops in between. There's there's a stop in Italy, uh, which was actually a, an incredibly, um, incredible. To me, this is kind of like an incredible piece of this whole story. Was uh, while we were playing tennis here um, at this club that that was a very nice club. Um, we got we got seen uh, by a guy who owned a tennis club in Italy. And um, he was kind of interested in, in our level. He was wondering about what we are, who we are. He's, he was there on a vacation, believe it or not. Oh my God. And, and, uh, and he saw us playing and he would stop by and watch us play, um, you know, for about five, six days in a row. And, and then towards the end of that, he approached us with another man who was, who was there, who, who kind of spoke Italian and whatnot. And, and it turned out to be that this guy owned a tennis club in Italy um, and he was interested in taking us all there. 
and and um, so that we can develop our tennis and play tennis for the club and 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 you know basically be tennis players and uh, uh, we all jumped on the opportunity as 15 year olds would <laughs> uh, to go to Italy away to a tennis club to play tennis away from a refugee camp and um, you know, I don't know what they did, what he did. I'm not sure. We gave passport pictures, stuff like that. And about a month later, there were two vans waiting for us to take us to Italy. And we loaded up the vans and we went to this tennis club in Italy. And, uh, when we got there, it was amazing. It was, it was probably the most beautiful club I've ever seen. Um, you know, 20 tennis courts, swimming pool, all that stuff. But the club was what the cool thing about it was, it was a really, really top-notch club where a lot of top pros trained. And, um, you know, and we got an opportunity to train with the best players in Italy. Um, we got opportunity to be trained by the best coaches in Italy. Uh, so I was there for about seven months uh, before I came to U.S., uh, basically training in this club in Italy. And when the opportunity for U.S. came, I had a choice to make, whether I stay in Italy or I go to U.S., um, uh, to a tennis academy in Florida. Um, and I chose to go to U.S. because for whatever reason, I was pulled towards U.S. And, um, and myself and another friend of mine, another kid, uh, you know, basically um, came to U.S. I ended up going to Tampa, Florida to a tennis academy called Palmer Tennis Academy. Got a scholarship to go there. And um, I, ended up, I ended up there uh, for about seven months. And then when the money ran out, um, you know, from the sponsors that were basically sponsoring us, um, you know, we had to find a place to stay. And one of the choices was to go back, and which was not possible because the war was going on. Uh, so we wrote a lot of letters uh, to different tennis associations, me and um, two of my friends that were with me in the same academy. And uh, we sent probably 50, 60 letters throughout the country. And one letter came back, one response came back, and it was from the Richmond Tennis Association. And... Uh, um, Richmond Tennis Association was first willing to raise money to keep us there. And then when they realized there were, you know, 15, 16, or 15 year old kids, um, they found us families in Richmond to go to. And that's when my life changed, really. Um, I got adopted or I got taken in by a family that's to this day like my family. Um, Peggy and Dave Thorne uh, in Richmond took me in and, um, you know, uh, they, beca they, they became my you know, American mom and dad. And, um, and, and that's, I went to high school in Richmond, went to college in Richmond and Richmond became my second home. Coach. Um, these are all sort of intermittent little periods, right? I heard you seven months, seven months, kind of seven months. Yep. You're a teenager and maybe it's a good thing. You're a teenager because when I hear these stories, I, you know, as an, I'm an adult with kids and, you know, think of just sending my kids off and, and obviously the circumstances are different, but, um, when you're when you're making a decision to go to Italy or come to Tampa, are you? And this is a different time, right? It's the early '90s. It's not cell phones and email. And are you are you having any conversations with your parents? What kind of communicate? Are you just are these independent decisions? Well, I had I had one uh, phone call uh, in the four and a half years. I probably spoke to my parents maybe four or five times. Oh my god! Um, and and uh, we would exchange. We would write letters, and the letter would take about three months to get there. So. I would get a letter maybe in September, but it was written in May. So, so that's how we communicated. Uh, but but uh, my dad, since he was in the army, he had what was called at that, at that time, a satellite phone. Um, you know, so 
he had access to it. It wasn't very easy to, to get access to it, but he had access to it um, um, so he could, he would get to it. And when he heard that, you know, there was a group who was going to Tampa, Florida to his dance academy from Italy, um, you know, he called the club. Uh, he somehow got, got this phone and he called the club and I'll never forget this. I was practicing and uh, this lady from the front desk runs out, calls my name. He's like, you know, tells me phone, phone, phone. So I run over there. I don't know who's calling me because I didn't expect my dad to be in the line. Right. And uh, I pick up the phone. It was my father. And that was, that was just amazing, you know, to hear his voice. And, um, you know, I, I'll never forget that moment. But uh, in that particular moment, he just said, hey, I hear this is going on. What's happening? We, you know, he, they wanted to know what was going on. So I basically ex really quickly explained that I had this, I have this opportunity to go U.S. under the sponsorship of, of this organization. And he basically told me, wait for me there. Do not, you know, I'm going to call you back. That's what he said. And I said, okay. So he hung up the phone. Not later, I found out he called my mom so that they could speak about me going to U.S. Oh, and, and my mom was against it because it was very far. They didn't know where I was going. Italy was closer, you know, she kind of felt like he's there. We can, you know, it's, it's closer to, to home. Um, and my dad called me back maybe 20 minutes later. And he said, uh, just ask me one question. He said, are you sure? And, um, and I basically, I said, yes, I'm sure. And he goes, if you're sure you do it. And that was it. You know, that's, that, that was the extent of the conversation that we had going to us. And, um, and, you know, when I was in Tampa, we did not have a conversation when I went to Richmond. Um, you know, at that time, the war was really bad. And, and you know, we, we really lost touch there completely for a while. So, um, so yeah, so that's, that's so, the extent yeah. of my conversation with them. So now let me ask you this. Were you sure? Or were you just telling them you were sure? I think I th at that time, I really thought I was sure. Okay. Uh, hey, you know, um, for whatever reason, I, I think it's, you know, I, I think, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, later on, I, I learned to, you know, develop my faith and, and believe in God. And now I realize that, you know, it, it was, it was something inside that was pulling me to make this decision. And, um, and, and I made it and, and I was certain at that time. So, um, you know, so yeah, I, I was sure. <laughs> now, did you speak English? No, I did not. So you come I to the United States, not speaking a word of English. No, not a word. I, I knew how to say my name is Alosha and that's it. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, it's interesting because you go to these, to this, I came to this tennis academy and the head of tennis academy was giving us something. I don't know. She was explaining where the courts are, where this is. And I was nodding my head. I had no, <laughs> I had no idea what she was saying, uh, but you kind of learn to manage, right? You kind of learn to manage things. You kind of, if you go to a restaurant, you kind of stand behind a person and you just kind of watch what they order. And then you kind of say, same, you kind of learn these things to, to kind of get by. Uh, but then when there's a necessity to really learn something or do something, you know, you have a tendency to do it. So uh, I've learned, Eng I learned English in about probably conversationally in about four or five months, I was able to have a conversation and understand some things. Uh, but initially, yeah, there was no English spoken. So when you were writing these letters, when, when, the, when the academy or the sponsorship kind of uh, folded in Tampa and you're writing letters, you're writing those letters in English? Yes, we, we had help there. There was a school there. There was a tennis academy, had a school. So we had a teacher, gotcha. person who helped us with it, with, with the letters. But we wrote the letter uh, basically 
um, asking for help, you know, and, and three kids, three tennis players, you know, want to get an education, work hard. We're looking for help. This is our situation. We sent them all over the country. Now, these are the three of you are the are these three of you from Croatia? These all the same that you've been tra- all that you've been traveling with all, the whole time. Yeah, all three of us had a very, very yeah same path basically. These two other boys uh, were from um, a different town in Bosnia, but it's very similar story, similar same path that I took. Um, and did you all kind of, end up in Virginia? We all ended up in Virginia. We all ended up in Richmond. Um, I ended up living with uh, Peggy and Dave, um, and you know this other kid also ended up living with Peggy and Dave, and then the third kid ended up living with another family, four or five houses down the road. Um, so yeah, so we, we basically got taken in, adopted in by, by American families. And you said they are basically your mom, your American mom and dad. What would, but take me back to like, you're moving in first day, first week, first month, right? Just that relationship. You, you know, are you op- so open-minded? Is it a little bit of trepidation? You know, how were they to you? So I was, I was, I had a best friend, uh, in ten- in Tampa, uh, my Palmer Tennis Academy, my, my best friend, roommate there was, his name was Scotty Scott. <laughs> it's interesting. His name was um, Scotty, wait, his name was Scotty Scott? Scotty Scott was his name. So he was a tennis player from San Francisco. And uh, I ended up going um, um, in between going to Richmond and, uh, you know, the tennis academy. I went to San Francisco with him, you know, to visit, you know, because right. he lived there. Okay. And, and I was there, we had a blast and I loved it there. And, and, and to be honest with you, I didn't want to leave there. I, I, I really, I was like, man, this is amazing here. Um, you know, so his family, you know, basically since this was set up in Richmond, they said, you go. And if anything, you know, doesn't work out, you, you know, you're welcome to come back. Um, so I got on a plane, I went to Richmond, my, my new family was waiting for me in Richmond. I was nervous. I didn't know what to expect, but I knew that they had tennis experience. I knew that, that, you know, their son was a tennis player, um, you know, who now is a head coach at Georgia Tech. Yeah, the, uh, the story, the story stays intertwined, right? I mean, yeah, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't even end here. Yeah. So, so basically, um, you know, so I knew that they knew tennis. I knew that, you know, they're, you know, I kind of felt connection there. So I was nervous, but uh, they were awesome people. I mean, they were just amazing people. They, they took us, took me in and um, yeah, they changed my life. So, um, you know, I can't really put in words uh, what they meant to me and what they still mean to me. Um, you know, they are, they're definitely, um, yeah, they changed my life. So, um, so yeah, so, so I came to Richmond and, um, you know, that summer, uh, since I missed a couple of years of high school, um, they put me in some tutoring classes with math and some things to take this placement exam to see where I fit in high school because I was going to start school again. So I took those and they placed me in 11th grade where I should have been anyway. Um, so, so I ended up going to school and just kind of living a you know, normal life there. I mean, normal under right. parentheses. You know? Yeah, right. And, and, and again, you're telling me you've only it, during this little this is now over a couple of years, you spoke to your parents a handful of times, handful of times. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. So <clears throat> in this period as well, obviously, tennis, man, it's, it's a gold mine for you just in, in probably so many different ways. But 
what I wanted to know is what did you want at it? Like, were you hope, were you hoping, like, what did you want out of tennis? W was tennis also for you? Like, I want to, I want to go to college. I want to play professionally. Like where, well, other yeah. than it sort of being a, a, a natural inherent escape and a way to kind of spend time, not having to think about all the things we've discussed. What did you also want out of tennis? I think I uh, fell in love with tennis at that time. Um, uh, truly, like I fell in love with it. Um, I didn't, I didn't really know that I loved it until that period of my life. And I think it's maybe because I saw a refuge in it and I recognized what it gave me. Um, and, it, you know, I, I loved it. I, I love to play. I love to practice. I love to get better. Um, I just couldn't imagine my life without it at that time. Um, I guess that's why I became a tennis coach, you know, but, um, you know, I wanted to be a pro player. That was the dream. Um, but then I realized when I started going to high school and, you know, with Peggy and Dave, I saw what Kenny did, what their son did, you know, I, you know, he went to college first, he went to Georgia tech, um, played tennis there, became all American, then went pro. I kind of said, you know, this college thing might be a good, good path. And, and then the college became a goal. Um, you know, the college became a goal because I realized that also in order to be a pro tennis player, you need money, you need sponsorship, you need all kinds of things. Whereas tennis, you know, I wanted to get my education and I, I thought that tennis could give me that. And, and, and I, I was good enough to play college tennis. So, so college became a goal. And for the next couple of years, that's, that's really what I worked towards um, to achieve, to go to college, play tennis, get my education paid for and, and, um, and kind of, you know, try to set myself through that path. And when does the war end during all this time? 1996, I believe. 1990, end of 95, 96. And you're where? Are you in high school or are you in college at that yeah. time? I don't know. I'm in, I'm in high school and, and Peggy and Dave, uh, Peggy and Dave's gift for my high school graduation was flying in my parents. Oh my God. To see me graduate high school. How amazing um, was that? Oh, it was it was unbelievable. It was my my mom, my dad, my sister, um, Peggy, and they flew them in, um, and yeah, I, I saw them for the first time in like four and a half years at the airport, and I mean it was yeah it was incredible. So um, they saw me graduate high school. They saw me you know move into college and you know see because I went to right after high school I took summer classes at University of Richmond where I went to school. So they saw me move into my new college. They saw my school. They couldn't. They couldn't believe it. So, uh, yeah, it was. That was. That was an amazing, amazing experience there. Did you try to play pro when you no. were done? No, I never did. Um, I never did. I, I, you know, as as a as an international student, there's a lot of a lot of things you have to do to kind of stay in a country, and you know, like visa issues. You have OPTs. You have H1B visa. All these things and playing tennis was never um, never an option because I, I wanted to stay here. And, you know, so I finished college with a business degree. I ended up moving to New York and wanted to work in business. And that was, that's what I thought I wanted to do. And um, I got a job up there. And uh, within first six months, I realized that, that wasn't <laughs> you know, it was like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta start playing tennis again. I gotta start you know, somehow get back in, into it. And fortunately up there, uh, there were some clubs there and I sent my resume to a bunch of these clubs and uh, I got invited by one of the clubs that, that had this really good tennis academy there. And, and I started playing playing with these 13, 14 year old kids um, 
you know, as a, as a, as a, as a hitting partner. And, and that's, you know, that's kind of how I progressed into really developing a passion for coaching, you know? Um, but yeah, so no, there was never, I never, never played pro and never really thought about doing it because of other circumstances. So Wall, Wall Street, Wall Street wasn't a fit, huh? That wasn't no good. Yeah, that was, that was, yeah. <laughs> Finance world was not for me. Yeah. So, uh, Again, we sort of hinted at it before the the intertwinings of your entire path. You know, moving in with this family, the Thorns, your American mom and dad. You, you know, you can't imagine your life without them. And then their son's a tennis player, and of course, the story uh, continues, right? Because now you're you're coaching at these clubs. You got the itch, and your way into coaching is how. So so yeah so so basically, you know, I was I, I had this finance job for about four and a half five years because I got my visa through that. And, you know, in the first year of that job, as I said, I realized, man, I got to do tennis. I got to play tennis. And I started doing these hitting lessons with these kids on the side. And I would, I would find myself a couple of years in that I couldn't wait to finish my job so that I could <laughs> go and play with these kids. Like I, I was, man, I can't wait for like, and I found myself like counting minutes Hey, Loshi, you got that? Loshi, got that deal done? Yeah, we're good. We're good. I'm yeah, we're good, man. I'm just going to go ahead. I'll be back in a little bit. I'm organizing my lesson plan. <laughs> so, so I couldn't wait, and 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 basically, I would work all day up until whatever six o'clock at night, and then, um, and then I I had a, you know, group practice at six thirty, and then I had lessons right after. So that was that's what I did. I was I literally couldn't wait for that four hour span there from like 6.30 to about nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, whatever it was, um, you know, to play, uh, to play tennis with these kids. So as, as it progressed, I was like, man, this is what I want to do. Um, so four years in my business job, I, I realized this is the coaching is the path that I want to take. I talked to the head of the academy. He said um, he wanted to hire me on this. You know, he said, I'm, I'm going to hire you because I was working for him on a side right. for four years. And, and I just, I just took the plunge and I just said, okay, let's go. I'm going to do it full time. And I transitioned into, into coaching juniors. And one thing led to another. I started, I ran, I started running the academy and I developed these kids from 12, 13 years old up until college time. And, and then, you know, the, 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 the opportunity came for these guys to go to college. And I had six players that I was working with and they all ended up going, playing division one college. And one of them, um, was being recruited by Georgia Tech, who was Kenny Thorne. My here we here we go. My, my big brother. Here we go. And, and and that's that's how that's how it happened. That's how the connection to college came in because I I developed a lot of good players. Um, and Kenny was recruiting this kid, Mark Powers, who ended up playing at Yale, didn't go to Georgia Tech, uh, but Kenny was recruiting him pretty heavily. And and that's how I kind of man, this is this would be really cool to to kind of take these guys and really see them in college and develop them in college. And as I spoke to Kenny more and more, I was like, man, this is, this is something I might want to do. And I told that to Kenny and I said, Hey, if you, if you hear of any jobs that you think I could do, please let me know. And, um, and about two months later, I was at nationals at Kalamazoo in Michigan. And Kenny walked up to me and said, Hey, uh, are you still interested in coaching college? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, um, you know, my assistant is leaving and, and, you know, it's, it's, you know, I want to, I want to see if you want to take it. And, and that was it. That's that, that was the decision. I was like, I didn't even think about it. I said, yes. 
And, um, you know, I interviewed, I went through the process and uh, I moved from Connecticut or, you know, where I was to, to Atlanta to be an assistant coach at Georgia Tech. And that's, uh, that's how my path into college coaching went. So was it everything, was it what you expected, wanted, you know, what's, what's the, now that you've been doing it for a long time, what's the, what's the draw, what's the love affair with, with coaching? Well, I mean, I think, I think the biggest thing and what got me initially in is, is, is I think my experience that, that tennis can change lives. I mean, it really can. Um, it can impact lives. It can improve lives. Um, it can open up doors. Um, and, and I always kind of looked at tennis as a, as a life, you know. Um, you play a point, you win a point, and then you got to step up and play, play another point. Um, so regardless how you do, you always have to step up and play another one. And whether you win it or lose it, you kind of step up and go again. And that's kind of like life, you know, it's, it's, you know, you have good days, bad days, and then you get up and you go again. Um, so, so tennis is kind of like a metaphor for life to me, at least it is. And, and I always felt that, that I could help people and kids, especially, especially young men now, um, figure things out through tennis. Um, and that was the initial draw of, of coaching. Um, obviously I'm competitive. Um, I'm super competitive. So, so being in college environment, that, that fuels the competitiveness. But the ultimate goal is to really help these guys develop and grow as people um, through the game of tennis. And, um, and, and yeah, the, 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 the job has changed a lot, obviously, you know, since this is 15 years ago. You know, I was assistant for three years. Then I, went, I was a head coach for five at Old Dominion. Now I've been here six. So uh, the job has changed. You know, the, the, the college environment has changed, but my goal is the same, is, 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 to, is to use tennis as a tool to help people grow and develop and become better, better people. Um, How much, um, like, I, don't know what your, your, I don't know what your interaction can be with your players during matches, but just knowing the sport of tennis, right? There's, a, there's so much independence during the match, right? And there's so much kind of self-fortitude, self-toughness stuff, you know, like the players has to, uh, govern themselves, right? The ups, the downs, you know, in, in other sports, you know, you can huddle up with your coach and there, there's a lot of interaction. How, how much does that bear itself out um, in other parts of, of their life, right? That, that, that they're this kind of individualistic sort of uh, self-management during a match. How do, you know, how does that help them uh, when they, when they leave the sport? I think it's, you know, it's a great point. I think the biggest challenge for tennis coaches in college is how do you take these kids that have played an individual sport and bring them into a team environment and make them a team? Um, that's a very difficult thing to do, um, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, you can have one guy who wins a match, but if you lose other four, you're going to lose the match. Um, so so we, we all need to do our part to help the team win. And that's, that's, a, that's a tough transition for a lot of guys. Um, you know, so my experience is, yeah, tennis promotes, you know, independence, um, self-reliance, um, you know, um, the, the things that you're talking about, but, but also what college does, it, it, it helps these guys understand that they can't do it alone. Um, you can't do anything alone in life. It's just, you can't be an island. You gotta, you gotta rely on other people. You gotta help other people. You gotta, you know, be helped at times. Um, and I think that that's, that's what our job is is to help them understand that. Um, so yeah, even though that they're independent as independent as, as individual athletes, tennis players, um, they can't do things alone. Um, so 
yes, there's a lot of guys who are, you know, independent, but our job is to help them understand how to use that and use it to benefit the, the, the group, the group setting and, and, and the team environment that they're going to eventually be in. Does your store, so uh, you have, inter, I assume you, you have internet, some international players on your team, right? We're in an international city, diverse, yeah. et cetera. Do you, so going back to your story, a, do you do do you communicate that story at times to pe- to kids you're recruiting? And even if you do or you don't, I would imagine you can relate to those kids at you know at a very personal level. Even if they're just coming to play tennis and they have the grace of their parents, etc., they're still you know leaving you know their home country. I would imagine that becomes very personal for you. Yeah, it's it's most of our guys are foreign because. You know, because tennis is a global sport. I mean, if you go to some of these European countries or South America, even, I mean, tennis is the sport besides soccer. Um, you know, that's kind of hard to imagine in U.S. because that's not the way the things are here. But if you go to Europe, I mean, tennis is tennis is the sport. I mean, soccer and tennis, those are the two sports right. that people play. Um, you know, so uh, a lot of talent that we get is is international. Um, so yeah, to answer your question, you know, we do, I do relate to a lot of these guys. Um, you know, I understand what they're going through. Um, you know, the, 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 the best way to put it is, is all of them struggle. Everybody struggles because your problems are biggest to you. My problems are biggest to me. So, uh, you may, they may seem, you know, small in comparison, but you know, to that person they're they're really big. Uh, but what these guys find here is, is that tennis unites him. Tennis is a common denominator. Um, you know, tennis court is the is the happy place, if you will. Um, that's where they're comfortable. That's where they're, you know, they, they feel at home. And and as the time goes on, um, they kind of become, you know, independent in other areas as well. But initially, tennis is what unites these guys into, into one. Um, so, yeah, it takes time to adjust, takes time to, to learn the system, takes time, you know, to... To kind of adapt, but um, most of most of the guys that I come across are able to do that pretty successfully. So the U, right? It's a it's a massive brand, uh, and we always think of it maybe in football or even the university. But you were just saying how so so much of of what you do in terms of the people that play for you are international, and I assume you spend time either over there or they're coming over here. What does the you mean in the tennis world? Like, if you take it to your, in the, in te, is it receive, is it have the same sort of a similar reception? Has it grown uh, in Europe relative to your sport? Interesting. That's a good question. I, I don't know that. I think I think international kids, the ones that we recruit, and we do recruit everywhere. Um, you know, obviously, uh, with the COVID, we haven't been able to travel as right. much, but you know, now, for example, we're, we're, we're heading out to Italy, we're heading out to Belgium, we're going to all these tournaments and uh, they know, by the way, those are, those are fun recruiting trips, by the way. Right. Well, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people, you know, think that, but they're in and out, right. They're in and out. You're you're in there, you're in a hotel, you're in a hotel, you're, you know, you hotel, you don't speak the language. A lot of times you just kind of get to the club, you stay at the club, you watch these kids, and then you, you leave. You're out. I got you. All right, so it's the same. So that, that recruiting's recruiting. <laughs> yeah, it, it sounds it sounds better when you say Switzerland, right? Uh, but but the recruiting is really just recruiting. Um, so but you said, but you said the city of Miami resonates. I think that yes, I think that's the one thing that does. I don't know about the you know in in 
it's interesting because when I just came from Old Dominion, which is um, you know a good mid-major program to 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 Miami, to University of Miami, um, I was shocked. Like we would go through airports and people would like throw up the U and you know, and and that was to me wow. Like like the 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 knowledge of the brand uh, is is incredible in the U.S. Um, you know, it was it was shocking to me how many people would just come up and say, "Hey, the U, the U," you know. When you go to Europe, it's not like that. When you go to South America, it's not like that. Um, but they do know the city of Miami. Um, and I think that, that the city of Miami is something that people are interested in. Um, and then when you say University of Miami, they know Miami. Um, and that's something that, that, that we can you know, exploit and we do try to exploit. And then once they come to campus, once these kids visit campus, um, they see what this is, you know, an amazing place really, um, you know, so the city of Miami resonates for sure. And then last thing, coach, you know, you, you, you're building, uh, have built this, this tennis program. It looks like you're going to be in the postseason for the fourth straight year. So what, what was your sort of goal when you started sort of, where are you? And then sort of what's the next, you know, if you're setting out your goals for the next, you know, year or two as the, the growth, uh, opportunities for Miami tennis, what do you want those to be? I think, you know, uh, it's, it's like you said, you know, first year coming in, uh, our, you know, our goal was to, to reestablish the, the character and, and the culture of the program and, and just make us relevant again um, in the ACC first and, and make us a team that people don't, you know, don't want to play, don't look forward to playing because, because we are competitive um, and we can beat anybody. And that was the initial goal. Um, and, and I think in a first, this is my sixth year here, um, you know, we've, uh, you know, apart from that first year, we've kind of progressed, you know, nicely each year. And yeah, um, this year we, 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 we will be in the NCAA tournament again and looking forward to that next week. Um, going forward is, is just to keep progressing, keep, keep moving the, 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 the team forward, keep moving the program forward, um, you know, continue to provide an opportunity for, uh, for the guys to come in and develop and grow and, 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 and get better as tennis players, as people, and uh, um, ultimately compete for titles. And, you know, it's not very easy, um, you know, to do that uh, with the uh, equivalencies and, you know, there's headcounts and scholarships and stuff like that. But uh, we are confident that we can, you know, that we can sell University of Miami and, and, and we're going to continue to do our best to, to be competitive in the ACC and, and, and in the nation. All right. Last thing I lied. So like what game match day uh, are you? So to be the coach who has to be an observer, are you calm? Are you uh, emotional? Uh, how, how do you handle yourself observing okay. slash watching slash coaching? Well, I think, I think when, you know, coming back to your previous question, I think college tennis is unique because we can coach during the matches. Um, okay. And we're, we're on the court, we're with the guys. Um, like if we see certain guys struggling, we, we can go on there and we can, you know, we can kind of walk, walk them through, hey, this is what we got to do. Uh, if strategy is not working, you can go in and you can make, you know, in-match adjustments with the player. Um, so I try, you know, to keep a calm head, head most of the times, uh, because How does that work out? Does that work out pretty good? It does most of the times, unless, <laughs> unless, unless it gets to, you know, unless it's, you know, unless it gets the magic, sometimes matches get really, really physical, really, you know, emotionally draining. And sometimes it's, it's, you know, emotion is what you need to prevail. Um, so I try to kind of, I try to do what I need to do. Uh, in order to help our guys win, um, I, I, I do think that that 
over the years, I've learned to control my emotions better uh, because I realized that that clarity helps me give better advice. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I'm definitely competitive, definitely, definitely fiery, uh, but but I, I I'm getting better at at separating that and just clarity of thought, uh, which which I have to have out there. Are you like most coaches that if there's if they're uh, after they say the the losses hurt more than the win then the losses hurt more than the happiness from the wins is are you are you fall in line? It's a it's a million percent accurate. Um, I can't even that's that's yeah for sure. Um, losing is so much worse than uh, than than actually. Win. I mean, losing a match is is something that is so much worse worst about feeling than actually feeling good after you win a match um that's for sure accurate for me all right and that's the joy of coaching then right <laughs> the twisted I, I, joy I, of I, coaching I, I twisted joy i don't i don't know what it is my my wife questions it all the time she's like why do you like this i'm like i don't know i just do right um, you can't get away from it yeah coach um coach Pirich, thank you so much thank you for sharing your story uh thank you for taking us behind the you it was a pleasure talking with you and uh it really, I hope everyone really enjoys um, your journey and what they have here at the University of Miami because I know I did. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate your time. Miami-Dade County is partnering with you to help keep our community safe from COVID-19 now and in the future. Do your part by getting your booster, staying home if you're sick, and getting tested if you think you have symptoms. We'll keep doing our part to protect our children's education and ensure testing, vaccines, and boosters are available for all so that our entire community continues to thrive. It's our best plan. For more information, visit miamidade.gov coronavirus.